This is the Gopher Puck Live podcast, episode number two, recorded October 18th, 2011. Thanks for joining us here on the GPL podcast. I'm Craig Kotner, and as usual, I'm joined by Hammy and Cardinal. Guys, what's going on? Good weekend, Too huh? Much? Oh, yeah, you can't get any better than that. Yeah, all good uh, so far. A gopher sweep in Duluth. Uh, I, as a rube last week, I said sweep. Obviously, I was more kidding around, so I didn't really think it was going to happen, but... Uh, uh, I'll just take the credit. Yeah, you might as well, right? Might as well. I don't care what anybody thinks. Well, it was like I said last week, it was scary that I was the only one giving them a little bit of credit, you know, saying the split, and I ended up being the one that was too conservative. So a little egg in my face from last week. Well, what do you have to do, though? I mean, we saw them play against Sacred Heart, which was completely inferior team, and it's – I know what <laughs> – in the last few years, we've all just kind of waited for something to happen, and and it's hard to believe that you know something is going to happen. But it seems like things are changing. The effort is getting a lot better than it used to be. Um, the physicality of the team was noticeable all weekend. So maybe this team is starting to turn around. Who knows? What do you guys think? Well, I, I have to admit, I mean, and this is probably something that a lot of people felt when we would – when they scored that goal in the final minutes on Friday to take the lead, I was like, uh, same old, same old, you know, they're, we're going to lose it. We choked on the lead, blah, 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 all that kind of stuff. And lo and behold, you know, they come back and tie it and win it in overtime. So, uh, you know, that kind of, uh, that kind of effort and that, you know, not quitting and it just kind of falls in line with what we saw the prior week as far as just effort throughout the game. Um, of course, it wasn't a close game, but the point being is that they played 60 minutes, and uh, that's something that we couldn't exactly count on in past few years. So that was a nice sign. Yeah, and I think you know the one thing that a lot of people kind of thought going into the year is kind of already showing in that you know they have a lot of depth up front. Uh, the defense is going to have great moments, and it's going to have moments where you know Ben Marshall gets turned inside out, or Nate Schmidt kind of coughs it up in front, like what happened on Friday night. But you know those guys are making up for that with you know things in the offensive zone. I mean Nate Schmidt's been awesome on the power play, and um, in net Patterson has been as good as advertised. So I think it's nice that you know going into a year, Gopher teams always look really good on paper, and you know the last few years, you know last year getting swept by Omaha at the start, and it's just been you know bad things happening early in the year. But you know so far this year, and granted the one weekend's kind of a but I think at Duluth is, you know, pretty much as good of a test as you're going to see to this point. You know, the team's kind of lived up to the hype and expectations across the board. So I think that's definitely good to see. Patterson, 92 saves. Uh, I, being at the game, I I felt some of the statisticians or the official score was a, a, a bit generous on the North Dakota, or not North Dakota, but uh, Duluth side. I mean... I distinctly recall seeing, you know, when when uh, Bukestead scored his beautiful goal at the beginning of the second period of the Saturday game, the shot stayed at six. <laughs> and it was that way for some time. So I, I think they took some liberties here and there, but uh, I thought a lot of his shots were from way out, especially on Saturday. There was a lot of them that were up high. He would stand up, catch it in his chest, and – and that was it. So I don't think there was a ton more opportunities that uh, Duluth had. I just thought that a lot of their, you know, the, the shots were from way out, easy for him to save. Well, it seemed like for it was like Duluth's strategy was to throw anything on net from any angle, from any part of the ice almost. I mean, you saw shots being dumped in on Patterson from outside of the blue line. I, I do agree that it seemed like the uh, – scorekeeper whoever's you know had a little bit of an itchy trigger finger when it came to uh marking up shots for Duluth but uh you know and uh, I don't want to take anything from Patterson because he obviously played well um but yeah oh, definitely just, he definitely played well I just thought the shots were a little inflated that's all yeah I agree 
Yeah, and even I remember when I over you know watching the Friday game back. I was there on Friday, but then watching the DVR back, just kind of cruising through that. I know FSN put up the stat where you know last year Patterson, the four games where he made the most saves, where they go for his four games against Duluth. So even though it's a different team this year on both sides, um, you know I think that's obviously a trend where Duluth puts a lot of shots on the Gophers, and whether it's you know the way the Gophers are playing them, or if like Hammy said, if it's just Duluth strategy where they just want to pepper the net and try to get rebounds or whatever. But um, but yeah, like Hammy said, I mean it's you know quality over quantity and depends who you want to look at it but um no i mean when you got like patterson back there you know as a team it's nice to be able to rely on that and we talked about that a few weeks ago where yeah the decor is young and they're going to make some mistakes but you know when a strength of your team is your goalie which it's supposed to be on paper um i don't think that's the worst thing in the world i mean it's not like you know the goal for goaltending is supposed to be average this year and whoever the goalie was just stood on his head for one weekend and you don't expect him to do that moving forward i mean most nights kent patterson is probably going to be their best player so there's going to be a lot of times where he puts up awesome numbers and it's not a fluke he's just really really good well frank mazako that was his key to the weekend when we were talking with him last week he says kent patterson's got to be the man and yeah he turned out to be pretty correct on that the other thing that i would touch on that i found i mean the other key to the weekend obviously was our power play performance and uh the great thing that I noticed was both power play units were pretty effective. I mean, a lot of times you see during, you know, even teams with good power plays, it's like they have one very good power play unit and then they get the second unit out there for 30 seconds or so. And, and it's kind of just a throw in. You don't really expect them to do much, but uh, our second power play unit was, you know, very good. I kind of like having Marshall out there um, on the point rather than Hall, but um you know, Budish and Ambrose, those are some big guys to have out there to try to move away from the net. You got Condon out there, and I just really liked how those guys plays. And, of course, you know, the first unit with Rao and Bukestad and um, Hansen and Schmidt and Howla, you know, those guys did a very good job. So, I mean, I think moving forward, that's probably the biggest thing that I took out of the weekend was just how effective both units looked out there. Yeah, I agree. And I think, you know, I touched on this last week and it's kind of been, I don't know if you want to call it a pet peeve of mine over the years, but it just seems like when the team gets on the Olympic size sheet that, you know, things tend to slow down a lot. And I think with, you know, the skill that they have now up front where maybe it's been a little bit lacking the last few years when you get on that small ice sheet and you don't have as much time to think and it's just, you know, tic-tac-toe and whipping the puck around. I think you really saw that this weekend and, you know, the results bore that out. So hopefully they can keep it going this weekend. Um, obviously they get home on the big sheet, but um, yeah, I mean, if the power play can be, you know, obviously it's not going to be like it was last weekend all year, but I mean, you saw what it did for a team like Duluth last year where five on five, they were just okay. But if you've got a lethal power play these days in college hockey and that can make all the difference in the world kyle rao wcha rookie of the week and obviously he was one of the key cogs on that power play this weekend well yeah i mean the, the kid you know i mentioned somewhere on the internet the kid just has that it factor he just knows you know how to make plays he knows the smart heady plays that um you know he back checks he made a nice play in the back check on the friday game um you know, it's, the kid just knows how to play hockey. I mean, he's one of those rare kids that, you know, come out of high school hockey, directly from high school hockey, and you just feel like, you know, he could actually make an impact. And I think there are some people that doubted that, probably based on what we've seen from some other recent Gopher recruits that uh, really, you know, coming out of high school and didn't do anything. And uh, I think it's automatically assumed with everyone that uh, that's going to be the case for any kid that comes right out of high school. And he's one of the exceptions to the rule, I guess. Yeah, and even not just the goal scoring with him, but I know like on Friday night there was a lot of instances where he's along the wall and, you know, the team's trying to clear the puck out of their own end and he makes the right play, whether it's, you know, going for the puck and then shipping it out or tying up the defenseman. So um, doing a lot of the little things like that, you know, and obviously, you know, as a freshman, you're just going to have up and down nights and weekends, but um, just seeing a guy, you know, so young, but doing the little things like that, I mean, really speaks high to his, you know, hockey IQ and acumen. And I mean, that's where, you know, you know the right spot to go on the power play and just the little things like that, where if you're already seeing that out of a kid in a you know big time spot on the road against the defending national champions i think that really um speaks highly of him and you know for his you know future as a gopher how about eric Kaula? i mean uh, the guy's got five goals already on the year uh he's lighting it up and he's doing exactly what we wanted to do but i know ryan you talked about eric and when we were at a at a game recently you're like ah he hasn't really done much and then all of a sudden boom he scores and ever since then he's He's been having a pretty good sophomore year so far. 
Yeah, that was the what the Friday Sacred Heart game. I believe like, so. Yes. Yeah. So he, but yeah, since then, and you know, he obviously started off great last year. I mean, he was like a point per game player the first half of the year, and then you know he had some injuries, and you know he's not the biggest guy. So as a you know as a freshman, being a you know eighteen year old freshman, and as the season wears on, he might be wore down a little bit last year. So you couple that with the injuries, but yeah, I mean, he's been awesome, and he's kind of taken on that you know Phil Kessel, Jordan Trader role on the power play, where he's kind of the you know forward that plays up high on the half wall and distributes the puck and. Um, you know, I don't expect him to keep scoring at the rate he is just because he's more of a playmaking type. But, um, no, he's definitely been, you know, a huge part of the power play. And, you know, he's been solid five on five as well. But but he's shooting as well. And yeah. That's, well, that's one thing uh, Lucio has said. We want him to yep. shoot more. We want him to shoot more. You know, that, that first goal Friday night against Duluth, he was – he just took a shot on net. Screen went right over his shoulder. So he's shooting. Yeah, I mean, I, that's – the key for him, I, I mean, if you have that kind of ability, and you know, be, and teams have to play honest. If they think that you're always going to be passing the puck, uh, you know, they're not going to be, you know, playing. Uh, they're going to be playing off of you. So you kind of have to, you know, for his sake, shoot the puck a little bit more just to keep him honest. So it, it's nice to see that he's putting the puck in the back of the net, and uh, you know, as opposed to just uh, deferring to other guys with shooting the puck. Of course, you know. We got two wins this weekend, but all was not great. Um, quite a few defensive breakdowns. Marshall getting his jock left uh, right at the circle by Herbert of Duluth, and then you've got that by that. Uh, what was it? Who turned it over late in that Saturday game? Was it uh, that was Helgeson? Helgeson that yeah. to Brown to make it five to four. That was a brutal turnover. The yeah. turnover for their first goal, I think, might have been Marshall again, or is either Marshall or. Sh- Maybe it was Schmidt coming into the blue end of the offensive zone and turned it right over. And all of a sudden it was the other way and they scored on their first shot. So there's still quite a bit of uh, growing up that needs to be done back there. Well, for me, the, the, the disappointing aspect of the weekend was how our top defensive pair played Helgeson and Hall did not play well at all. They were minus they're each minus three on the weekend um, turnovers and just, they look, both of them looked to me, just shaky handling the puck in the defensive, you know, in our defensive zone. And, um, you know, Lucci always talks about that low panic point with uh, defensemen and wanting to make sure that they, you know, handle the puck and distribute it effectively. And, you know, I'm a, I'm a little concerned about how those guys are, are handling some of the pressure. Hopefully, you know, as time goes along, things will settle down. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, you kind of expect that thing out of, you know, a freshman like Marshall, you, you know that there's going to be some growing pains. And, and uh, you know, he played, I think, improved on Saturday. But, you know, when you have some guys that, especially a Helgeson, you, you really expect a little bit more out of them. And, that, you know, so that was a little disappointing. Yeah, and I think that could be, I mean, obviously the group as a whole is very young, but almost a byproduct of, you know, one weekend you're against Sacred Heart, who didn't forecheck at all on the big ice, and then you go up to Duluth, and they were pressuring a lot on the small ice. So um, as much as anything, I think it might have been just a byproduct of not having, you know, played in such a high, you know, intensity environment for so long. And um, But, yeah, I mean, I think, and then, you know, unlike past years where the defense has kind of been, you know, what it is, with Gensel back now, I think there's reason to think that, you know, along with the mistakes, there's going to come improvement, whereas in the past, obviously, that's been kind of a knock on things. So, um, and then, like I said earlier, too, you're getting the, you know, like Nate Schmidt, maybe he turns over a little bit, but he's got, what, six assists. So you're starting to get that production out of the back end. And I mean, not everybody is going to be, a, you know, Paul Martin type where they put up, you know, 30 points in a season and hardly ever turn it over in a rock in their own end. So, um, you know, I think with time, uh, you know, hopefully at least because, you know, obviously the team can't, you know, cough it up as much as they did this weekend long term. But um, I don't think that'll be a you know, long term issue for the club. Any other thoughts on the weekend? Uh, you know, I, I have to give Duluth some props on some of their young guys. I mean, we talked about uh, Herbert. Uh, you know, he was. I like him. He's a Jefferson kid. So yeah, you know, the, the, <laughs> yeah, I'm not surprised by that. No, I'm honest. You know, quite frankly, when I saw him in high school, I was not overly impressed, and I thought that you know, well, I don't know that that one's going to work out for Duluth, but uh, he definitely played well last year in the USHL, and. Uh, you know, he certainly made some had a nice weekend against us, so I have to give him some props for that. And uh, you know, I think that they'll have a good year. Um, I'll be interested to see how if they break up J.T. Brown and uh, Connolly. I don't think that those guys are a real good match. I think uh, Brown's kind of a shoot first guy, and I think Connolly needs a line mates that are 
willing to distribute the puck around. So I, you know, I think that Duluth will have a good year, and I'm sure that they'll be in the hunt at the end. Yeah, I mean, I think you know the obvious takeaway, and this was an issue for them pretty much all of last season, except for the end when it counted was the goaltending, and um, you know, obviously the Ryder and Crandall combo it did it for them last year. But um, you know, even the truest Duluth fans, like drunk hockey guys of the world, were scared to death going into the NCAA tournament with those guys a year ago. And um, their decor obviously isn't as good as it was last year, and they're not going to score as much either. So um, yeah, I think Duluth will be fine up front. Obviously, you know, Connolly and Alexic and Brown, those guys will get it going, and you know, their decor is okay but I just really worry long term if those goaltenders can do it again this year I mean neither one of them had the best pedigree coming in not that that always means everything and especially with goalies you can find them out of nowhere I mean you look at Michigan with you know Hogan the last couple of years and a guy who you know was a his brother played there and whatever but um yeah so I just think that could be an issue for them but um you know hopefully for their case that's not the ideal come on man writers uh poor man's Adam Hauser ha 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 well, they both have a ring to their credit. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so how was your trip to Duluth, Ryan? You were up there one day. I was up there the whole weekend. Then you had to go do your Vikings duty. But uh, yeah, any, any toga, anything like that? Uh, yeah, we uh, pregame and postgame at Club Saratoga trying to help Shocking. the uh, local economy. It was good to see a lot of Gopher fans <laughs> in there. So, uh, yeah, I mean, most a lot of road trips the last few years have been, uh, you know, obviously you can kind of only control what happens pregame and postgame, but the centerpiece of the trip is obviously the game, and there's been a lot of uh, down nights in recent years, but to uh, – tie the game with only you know 40 seconds left or whatever and then uh to win an overtime at Duluth that was a uh an awesome deal and uh yeah I don't know if uh, I've heard rumors that the team's not up there next year on the WCHA schedule and then uh we're kind of off into the great unknown in terms of what the non-conference you know schedule will be moving forward and how many you know times we'll travel to the St. Clouds and Duluth and on down the list so it was a uh good way to um you know maybe the team's last trip for Duluth for a while to uh you know get a couple wins I hope not I always enjoy that trip. That's the trip where we leave the kids at home and uh, nothing to worry about. No driving, plenty of drinking. It was a good time, as usual. Definitely a good time. Was a uh, drunk hockey guy okay on Saturday night? I thought he might commit Harry Carey, you know, <laughs> you know based I, on his Twitter posts. You know, he. there was a point during the game, you know, he sat a couple sections over, but he, he walked over to one section – just to the edge of ours, he's got his boy in his hand, and it's a, it's really quiet in the arena. He just starts yelling at one of the Duluth players, start hitting somebody, you know, something along those lines, just screaming. I told him that he was a bad influence on his son, and, well, he, he stopped talking then, but he could be heard throughout the whole arena when he started screaming. Later, I met him. We were heading back from Grandma's, because Grandma's was actually pretty decent Saturday night compared to Neil Diamond night on Friday night. Uh... I ran into him about midnight, and uh, he seemed fine with it. He wanted to talk hockey. He talked about what you talked about, you know, getting Brown off that line, and uh, he didn't seem too too broken up about it. I have to give him credit. He came on GPL and uh, manned up about his big talk the prior week and everything, so <laughs> give him credit for uh, face, showing his face around there. Oh, it's just a bit with him. He's fishing. He's just waiting for some sucker to, to fall for it, and uh, a lot of people do. I... I usually just let it go because eventually he hangs himself and either hangs himself or comes back and he's nice, which he did this week. So all That's is good. Well. And, you know, I can't speak to, obviously I was in uh, Chicago on Saturday, but I know on uh, Friday night it was good to wake up to the uh, picture text from him at about 3.30 in the morning at Perkins as he was trying to get his picture with uh, one yes. of the nice uh, female lady clientele, whatever you want to call it, from uh, Club Saratoga, who happened to make her way there, too. So as down as you might have been at about 9.30, 9.45 both nights, I think uh, by the end of each evening slash morning, he was uh, he was doing okay. You know, I have one thing. Friday night's game was at least 30 minutes longer than a normal game. I thought, you know, the refs making decisions, it took them forever. It seems like they were making mistakes, you know. I remember Minnesota had a penalty, and, you know, after there was multiple guys in the box, and, you know, we started playing 45 seconds after stoppage. They they noticed that they forgot to put a guy in the box. Yep. And it was just a lot of weird things this weekend, and obviously, you know, we're not going to go into, you know, who got the better of what, and obviously the Buddhist call was bogus, but it was just seems like just simple things. It was taking them forever just to get the game going. 
do we have to question anything about WCHA refereeing well, you know, at this point? Just, of course, you know, they all say, of course, you know, fans of other teams that we're the ones who get all the breaks, but which is a load. But nonetheless, I think that we would all agree that there's some quality lacking there. Yeah, I mean, wasn't that kind of the uh, NCHC? Wasn't that one of their uh, kind of their main gripes has been? I mean, obviously with uh, Papa Shepard, but yeah, just in general. And you look too, I mean, the Gophers, I think this weekend it was what, Hunt and Shepard. But um, you, know, you look around the league and there's a lot of, I know part of this is a byproduct of adding two teams. So you obviously have some extra games, but there's been a lot of turnover the last couple of years in just terms of, you know, the, some of the familiar names that you were used to seeing. And, you know, some of those guys, it was good to get out of there, but you know, and they're pulling from the, you know, amateur ranks or whatever in terms of refereeing. So, um, you know, part of it might too just be kind of an adjustment period for some of these guys, but it's just unfortunate they kind of have to cut their teeth at a pretty high level. Well, some of those refs are going to end up in the national. You just Yeah, know exactly. It. You know, you got somebody I mean, like a Don Adam who, who lives in Denver. I, I don't think he's going to be in the WCHA or Big Ten. He's going to be, logically, he's going to be in the national. And I know, I know the Sioux fans just love Don Adam. Who doesn't? <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, we had a couple other series this weekend, and obviously we had uh, Bucky Badger going up to uh, Michigan Tech and getting swept. You know, I, I don't recall the last time Bucky's been swept by Tech, but well, maybe, actually, actually, maybe the w- WCHA playoffs, maybe about five or six years ago. I but, thought it maybe happened with one of their Wisconsin's like somewhat good teams in recent years that they've had some issues up there. I can, uh, you guys can chat. I can dig it up here, but yeah, that's uh, you know maybe a couple, lose was it one, a couple overtime uh, games. Yeah, yeah I, don't, I don't know if you guys saw the highlight of the Friday. Loss. I did not. I heard there was a little controversy about somebody getting a player checking a defensive player and that kind of took out the goalie. Puck comes out in front and they score. That I haven't seen it, but that's what I was told. Yeah, that's a pretty good description of it. I mean, from the angle of the camera, I mean, it was you could see that there was some contact between the defenseman and the forward from Michigan Tech, and yeah, he clipped the goalie a, a bit. It's one of those things that if it happens to your team, you're going to be up in arms about it, and you'll be like, "Yeah, we got screwed." But it's the Badgers. Well, that, yeah. <laughs> so I, I can see why they would be upset about that. And it was kind of borderline. I think it, most refs would probably call that a penalty. But, um, you know, Tech's had some rough spots over the years, so I guess they deserve a break, especially yeah. at the Wisconsin's, you know, at their expense. Yeah, it was uh, February 23rd and 24th of uh, 06, 07. They, uh, Wisconsin went up there and uh, lost two zip on Friday and then uh, 4-2 on Saturday. But, I mean, for Wisconsin this year, I mean, you know, only a couple weekends in, but, you know, that was kind of the big deal with them is that they lost so many guys from last year. I mean, juniors and seniors who scored a lot, both from, you know, the back end and up front, and it's just, you know, they're – um, you know, freshmen and sophomores up and down the lineup, and they have, and, you know, especially last year's class. I don't think it was quite, you know, obviously Eves has done very well there recruiting wise, but it hasn't been at the same level. And so they have a lot of, you know, some decent young guys, but they're just not, you know, experienced enough yet. And so um, if you combine that with the general, you know, rule of thumb with Wisconsin is that it's a defense first thing. And, um, you know, they're going to be playing a lot of 2 1, 3 2 type games. And when you don't have that firepower that they've had the last few years, um, especially from the back end, um, you know, so there's, I think that could be in the cards a lot for them this year. Where they lose low-scoring games, just a byproduct of their current roster and how they typically play with Eves as head coach. Yeah, I know that we're going to be talking about um, you know some of the games this upcoming weekend and definitely offensively challenged. Um, I think that you're going to be seeing, probably because of their goalies as well, you know, maybe a little bit more of a conservative approach there. And I guess we'll see how it works out for them. But uh, so far, the returns haven't been great. And we've got Bemidji getting swept at Colorado College. The Schwartz, I think he had a hat trick in one of those games. Uh, nothing really surprising there, I guess. No, I mean, that's pretty much what you would expect. Yeah. Uh, although, you know, Bemidji did play solid the week before against Miami. Um, so, And it looked like they gave him a little bit of a fight, at least in the Friday game. And, uh you know, it'll be interesting to watch some of these teams that are usually lower rung teams and how they do this year because, you know, we get a Michigan Tech, for instance. Obviously, it's only a one series and Wisconsin is down this year, but it'll be interesting to see how some of these teams do. 
Yeah, and I think for CC, that top line with the Schwartz brothers, and then I think I think Scott Wrinkler is the other guy in that line, and they had 10 points this weekend, and, you know, I mean, that's going to be the bit with CC all year. I mean, yeah, Joe Hall is pretty solid in that, but I think, you know, they're going to sink or swim based on that top line and, you know, based on who they have on it and what they've done so far. I mean, it's, uh, you know, you don't know. Obviously, it's way too early to know if they're going to be the, you know, second, third, fourth place team in the WCHA like a lot of people peg them to be, but if that top line's, you know, putting up three, four points a game, it's going to be a, you know, pretty dangerous team. Okay, we got Maine splitting with North Dakota. Uh, winning a tie, right, for the Sioux? Yeah, three points, yeah. Oh, sorry. Well, points, whatever. You're just well, trying to rip on the Sioux, Craig. Come on. You're so anti-North Dakota. You're part of the conspiracy. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I will admit to nothing. <laughs> All right, let's skip that series because nobody cares. <laughs> let's go to this week. This week, North Dakota goes to Wisconsin, and right off the bat, I think North Dakota's going to take care of Wisconsin. I if, if Wisconsin can't handle Tech, they're not going to be able to handle North Dakota. Well, I mean, I think, you know, I was thinking about this series today, and I was, like, going back and forth on what I thought about it. I, I Of course, I expect kind of a low-scoring series. I mean, Wisconsin's only averaging two goals a game so far, and UND's, you know, not scoring at a much better clip. And they've got a good defense, and I expect, you know, Wisconsin usually plays pretty solid defense. So I think it's likely going to be a low-scoring affair in both games. And Wisconsin's going to be desperate, and they're on home ice. I think North Dakota's the better team. So for me, I'm going to call this one a split. Yeah, I think that, you know, like Hammy said, with you know Wisconsin coming home and, um, you know, the Cole Center is a pretty tough place to play. And you combine that with the fact that North Dakota has got a lot of young guys and this will be their, you know, first road test in a pretty difficult environment. So I think that could even the playing field a little bit. But I think North Dakota is pretty well equipped right now to go in there and win just because they are so strong on the back end. And, um, you know, they might be able to withstand a little bit of a, you know, first period charge type thing, get to the, you know, first intermission 0-0. And, um, you know, their top two lines have been um, decent this year and obviously their back end's really good so um you know if i had to pick a point total i'd say maybe three points for the sioux but yeah a split certainly wouldn't surprise me okay let's quickly go through some of the others we've got anchorage at nebraska omaha i'll say three for omaha on that any quick thoughts I'll, on that? Uh, i'll take a split anchorage Ooh. has been uh pretty frisky they beat omaha last weekend up in uh, one of the alaska tournaments so um, a rematch from last weekend which you don't uh, often see very often but uh, yeah, Anchorage is what three zero and one, and they beat St. Cloud. And you know, granted, all the games have been up in Alaska, so um, not a prohibitive advantage for them. But you know, obviously, you see good teams go up there and struggle at times just due to the travel and time change and the whole deal. But um, Omaha has not been very good. I mean, they beat what Colgate their first game, and then they haven't won since, and they haven't you know played any world beaters since then. So I don't know if they're uh, they're clicking in all cylinders yet. So I think the uh, Seawolves can come down and get a couple points from them. They lost Gensel. It's the end. Yeah, exactly. They lost their key cog. Actually, I I tend to agree with Ryan. I was looking at this series today, and uh, you know, UNO has started out slowly. That you know, the goaltending situation is a little bit up in the air. I guess that um, you know they changed goalies last weekend. Um, they haven't played particularly well, um, so you know it's a little bit different this year. I think uh, they don't they didn't start out quite as good this year. So I'm I'm probably going to go with the split as well. Tech visits Bemidji. Well, I mean, it's kind of like I talked about earlier. It'll be interesting to see how some of these, you know, typically bottom half of the league teams are going to be doing, and uh, you know, how you know how real are they? I mean, Bemidji's had a, probably the toughest schedule so far. I mean, they've been on the road at Miami, and then of course at CC. So um, they're certainly going to be you know, happy to be home and they've been challenged already. So in tech, you know, they come off a nice sweep, but they took them to overtime at, you know, two games at home. I think I'm going to go with Bemidji, at least getting three out of four points. Yeah, it's, you know, with Tech, they played, you know, all their games at home. And, you know, obviously one series against American International, I think it was super easy. And then, you know, challenging team, you know, playing Wisconsin. But, um, so, yeah, first road trip with a new coach. You know, Bemidji's been tested, like, you know, Hammy said. So, uh, yeah, I'll think Bemidji will uh, take three or four points this weekend. All right. Mankato at Denver. I, Mankato <laughs> is awful. I'm sorry. They're going to get killed. I, hey, can you I, know... I no, they're going to get killed. They're going to get killed. 
I don't really have it in front of me, but just anecdotally, no matter how bad Mankato's been, and you know, obviously over the last 10 years, let's say they've been pretty bad, and Denver's most years have been pretty good, but for whatever reason, it seems like they go out there and give Denver some games. I don't know if they're going to take any points out of it, but I don't know if uh, I could see them hanging around one night and uh, giving the Pioneers a little bit of an issue. Yeah, I just want to know if I can go back to the, the preseason picks and flip my last place pick to uh, Mankato because they're looking <laughs> they're looking horrible. And plus, they you know they're dinged up and they got some injuries. I, I was just saying to myself, why am I even you know I shouldn't even save two sentences on this series because it's going to be a Denver sweep. If it's not, it's going to be a miracle. So, uh, you know, and Mister Dependable Mike Dorr, he's got no points in four games, so he's obviously doing well in the leadership and scoring department for Mankato. <laughs> <laughs> the Vermont Catamounts heading to Mariucci. They get to play Minnesota for the first time. You know, they've, the team's been around forever, but they've never played. Yeah, I saw that in the release. I thought that was crazy with, yeah. all, with the old, um, you know, I can't, I don't know when Vermont came into Hockey East, but, you know, obviously back before my time with the interlocking schedule and everything, so I'm assuming they came in after that, but you'd think with, you know, the Gophers being the NCAA tournament nearly every year and all the you know, Christmas tournament, everything else. I was shocked to see that they hadn't uh, they hadn't played yet. Well, it'll be interesting because Vermont's only had the one exhibition against the USA team, and they lost to them two to one. And uh, you know, it's one of those things where uh, the Gophers just need to kind of take care of their own business if they show yeah. up and play hard. And you know, we, we've talked about this last week about the Sacred Heart series about you know playing down to the competition a bit in the past and maybe kind of going through the motions a bit, making some games closer than they needed to be. And you kind of hope that they've, you know, this team is a little different. I heard Lucia's on a show yesterday and he talked about how, you know, sometimes when you've had some good success, you can be a little bit harder on the team because they're mentally capable of taking a little bit more, you know, uh, heat from the coaches. So I'm sure that the coaches will be on them this week and uh, hopefully it'll keep their head on straight and they'll come up with a sweep. You know, I think Don is a, has changed a little bit this year. You know, in previous years, you know, when I'm taking photos between the benches, he's fairly quiet. You know, unless something's really wrong, he's pretty quiet. But I noticed in the Sacred Heart series, you know, they're up by five goals. And, he, and he's like, keep it going, guys. Keep the pressure on. Uh, stay aggressive. He, 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 Especially him and Gensel. Gensel's quite vocal, too. But it, it seems like, you know, maybe he's picking up from what Gensel's doing and encouraging him because, he, you know, he remembers these last few years and how they would play at the competition. But it was clear to me against Sacred Heart that he's, he was really pushing them even though they were killing him. You yeah. use the encouraging word. Wow. Oh, jeez. Here we go. I wonder, too, with the, you know, with him being a little bit more vocal and, you know, how much of that plays into his health. And obviously the last couple of years have yeah. been, you know, a little bit tough. And he's, you know, spoke you know publicly about not having the energy. And, um, you know, it obviously it got better as the last maybe last season went on the year before. I think that's when he missed the series up in North Dakota. And, it, you know, the illness really hit him hard. But, um, you know, just having a little bit more bounce in his step maybe because of that. I mean, who knows how much that played into the last few years. Um, you know, nobody's ever going to be able to quantify that. But um, I just wonder how much of him being more into it now um, has to do with, you know, just personally and, you know, health-wise being, um, you know, at 100% or really close to it. Well, and I'm sure that the fact that apparently he's got this new deal, you know, granted it might be one of those uh, university-friendly contracts like Brewster's was, but nonetheless um, having that new deal and kind of getting that anchor of John Hill situation off of his back i'm sure that that you know having gensel back that probably helps a lot with being able to kind of just be driven about what we have in front of us and not you know having to deal with some of the other issues that maybe he's been dealing with the prior few years yeah and one thing too that you know just from a um, looking at it playing devil's advocate one thing that worries me a little bit about friday night is it's a six o'clock start against a nondescript team and, you know, the Gophers, young team, come, you know, sky high, sweeping the national champions. And I just worry that their place is going to be, you know, a quarter full at 6 o'clock. And if they kind of, you know, again, I don't think this will happen, but just looking at, you know, you've seen it happen before. And with, you know, really good Gopher teams or anyone else where, you know, there's that natural letdown. And um, you hope that doesn't happen. But, you know, with the young team and the atmosphere is going to be weird. It's even on Sunday, it's going to be weird with a Sunday game at 1 o'clock. Mariucci's always dead for those no matter who they're playing. So um, hopefully that doesn't play into it at all. But just something to, you know, it wouldn't shock me if they got off to a little bit of a slow start um, this Friday. So, 
Sweep? Yes. <laughs> yeah, I right. mean, having said all that, I I mean, again, the Vermont won, what, eight games last year. They have, you know, a handful of guys NHL drafted. They lost a good deal of their leading scorers. I just don't – and plus, like Hammy said, they haven't even played a game yet. They played an exhibition game and lost to the U.S. under-18 team. Now, we've seen decent college teams lose to them before, but generally if you're losing to that team, especially with that team early in the year where – it's a lot of you know kids that haven't played together forever, and so it's not a good time to lose to a you know an all-star team of sorts with the under-18 team. So um, you know coming out here on the big ice, I'm guessing Vermont's not geared towards to play on you know a high up-tempo kind of game. So yeah, I think they go for sweeping. Um, you know, long-term this could be a good thing too with the pairwise rankings come the end of the year. I mean, I think they could play Northeastern during the holiday tournament if things break right. But if you can get a couple wins this weekend, it guarantees yourself a winning record against Hockey East. And um, you know who knows at the end of the year with pairwise and if the gophers will be in the mix or out but um it always is good these days to uh, win your non-conference games from that standpoint well i'm going with sweep as well i i'm just trying to stay positive like i did last week so sweep well and they got what we have duluth at providence and new hampshire at st cloud as non-conference tilts as well so yeah i think i think duluth might struggle uh, what's their first road series right yeah and, uh, I'm just being negative on them. That's well, well, <laughs> well, if you go over to the St. Cloud uh, message board, those guys are all over their team. So Does that thing even exist? Uh, I guess. It's pretty quiet these place. days. It's pretty quiet. Oh, they're bitching amongst themselves. Well, we've talked about the current recruits. Now it's time to talk about some future recruits. Right in your alley, Hammy. Yeah, you know. I- so where do you want to start? I mean... You know, there, we've got about uh, around 10 kids who have committed, you know, to the program in the next, you know, well, I guess two, three years. years. Correct. Who do you want to talk about? Who's the biggest, who's the biggest get so far? Yeah, boy. You know, that's a tough one because there's some really good players coming, you know, down the pipeline. And it really depends upon what you're looking at. I mean, you got guys like Michelson who – you know, are gonna, and Brady Shea was going to be, you know, those guys are going to be probably top couple round draft picks this next year. Um, you have guys like that who should make, you know, a nice impact at, you know, at the U for, you know, at least a few years. But then you got guys, you know, like Justin Clues. I mean, that kid's just lighting it up in the elite league. He's, I heard from a guy this week who's, has a relative that refs in that league and his relative raves about clues being the best player in the league. And I heard another WCHA assistant say that clues is the best player in the league. He's already has nine more points this year than what the leading score of all of last year had for the whole season in the elite league. Um, He's he's little, looks like about five, nine, one seventy, So he's not too big. Yeah, he's one of those water bug types of guys who can dart around the ice, very elusive, uh, you know, but he's very talented. He's one of those guys that you say, you know, if he keeps it up, he'll be one of those three- to four-year players that can do a lot of offensive damage in college. So hopefully that's the case. Um, So, Hammy, real quick, so do you see him being here next year? Is he more of a tweener guy that, depending on, you know, if who leaves early and things like that, or do you think he's a lock to be here next year? You know, I... I was thinking about that, you know, looking at recruiting, and I don't know factually if it's just a given that he's coming in next year, but it wouldn't surprise me just because I know that when I look at the depth chart, it looks like we're going to have needs to fill, um, and I'm sure we'll have, you know, a guy like Bukestad, of course, will be gone more than likely. And uh, so I, I don't know. I can't say for sure on that one, but I think that it's a pretty good chance that he'll be in. And I, and I think – He's sort of like a row. I mean, they, they're one of those guys that they're so elusive and skilled that maybe they're one of those types of guys that can just, you know, bypass, you know, juniors for the most part. I mean, he's played a little bit of juniors already, but uh, and I'm sure he will after this high school season. But uh, I, I honestly haven't heard for sure what the plan is with him. So tell me about these Riley brothers. Well, you know, it really depends upon, you know, some people think that, um, it's a little bit of a package deal where you get the... You got Mike Riley, Connor Riley, yeah. and Ryan Riley, and 
what is it, uh, Ryan and Connor are twins, well, fraternal twins, but they're twins, and then they've got younger brother Mike. Yeah, I think most people probably think that, well, Mike's going to be the best player. He's a defenseman, and he's very talented, and he's already been drafted. Um, Six foot, 165, I see. Yeah, he's, you know, he's not huge, but he's probably still growing, too. He's probably like I mean I don't want to compare to him, compare him to really anybody, but I mean I, I guess if I had to think about stature and how you know what they kind of look like going into college, you know maybe like a Goligosky type of guy. I mean you know not real big and physical or anything like that, but very skilled and left-handed shot and um, good shooter. Um, so I mean I think that uh, he's the most talented of them. I think Connor's will probably play a good amount when he comes to the U. I think the question mark is Ryan. He's the smallest guy, and uh, there, he's not doing too badly. I mean, you, know, you have to take those BCHL statistics with a grain of salt because it's kind of a, a depth-challenged league, and it's a very offensively-driven league, so you can't have to look at those numbers and say, yeah, well, they're, at least they're doing all right compared to the rest of the players up there. So I guess that's the best thing you can say about that. So again, in terms of you know looking at next year, I mean, do you think because you know, on the current team there's what eight defensemen and there's nobody that on the surface is even close to being a flight risk? I wouldn't assume. And you look at you know obviously Shea with being a likely first round pick, it seems like he's going to be here for sure. But that would put him even at nine. So how do you see the kind of the defensive you know recruiting aspect and slots going into next season? Yeah, that, that's the thing. You know, and that's the funny thing about the recruiting in general. I've heard. You know, I know that they've looked at some guys, some other guys for recruiting on defense, but I think they're going to be, from what I hear, a little more patient with the next defensive recruit, mainly because of what you're talking about there. Um, pretty loaded as far as, you know, the guys that they have. Um, we don't have anybody that technically, you know, that we know is going to be gone next year. And then you have, you know, two recruits already that are pretty talented. So that brings you up to 10 defensemen potentially for next year. I think that you're right on the money as far as who would, what the pecking order would be. I mean, Riley's, you know, a little bit more undersized and probably could use, you know, another year. Whereas Shea, he's a little bit, he's physically, you know, probably going to be more ready and uh, certainly he'll be prepared from the USA program. I don't know, you know, we kind of have to see if we got any departures. I mean, like an alt, uh, we, it's so early in the season, we don't know who's going to break out if anybody is That's going true. to. So we'll have to see on that one. I, I don't know what the plan is. Well, further out, we've got Lou Nanny, a couple Lou Nanny uh, gr- grandsons and Vinny Letary and and Louie Nanny, uh, Louie from Edina and uh, Vinny from Minnetonka. Any thoughts on that? That's just a couple years out, though. Yeah, um, I suppose a lot of people would probably say they were givens for the Gophers, <laughs> given their grandpa. Yeah. Uh, Letary was not quite that much of a given. I mean, he was very much debating between North Dakota and the Gophers, Um so that I, you know, it's not quite the given that some people were thinking of. Um, to me, from a recruiting standpoint, he's very valuable because he has some very good relationships with some of his peers that were in the hunt for. And uh, he helped us bring Gabe Gertler in, and uh, that kid is potentially going to be a lights-out college player. He's really? littered up the last two. Yeah, he's littered up the last two years, and at uh, the USA selects uh, both in his 15s and 16s. He's been one of the top scorers. And, Florida um, kid. D- yeah, he's from Florida, although his father is yeah, uh, yeah. from Minnesota, and so I'm sure that that didn't hurt matters. Um, but, yeah, he definitely helped with that. Um, I heard that he's a for sure 2013 recruit, uh, Vinny. Um, he's going to apparently – be playing high school hockey, of course, this year, and then next year he's going to the USHL, I guess, and coming into the U the year after that. Um, Louie I, I, I apparently is more up in the air. I, I don't know when he's coming in. He's more of a, I think, a, you know, yeah, all these kids probably want to be top-line guys, so on and so forth, but as we know, that's not how it necessarily pans out in college. And I think Louie probably projects to be more one of those John Weibel types of guys, you know, a lower-line guy that's uh, – Hustles and fast skater can chip in a few goals here or there, you know, and play a little bit physically. So, I mean, they're probably going to have different roles. Um, Vinny's going to be probably more of a, uh, you know, first, second line type of guy as he as he matures. So, 
Um, they're definitely good catches. I think that some people maybe look at Louie, you know, as uh, why did they recruit him? But I think that sometimes you can't overlook some of the intangibles, and I hear a lot of good things about him as far as leadership and things of that nature. So, And finally in goal, we've got Adam Wilcox. We've kind of known he's been coming for a while, but uh, he was drafted this year. Um, heir apparent to Mr. Patterson? Well, I mean, he's been splitting time in Green Bay. He's had some success. You know, I'm, I've always been pathetic when talking about goalies. I think that's one of those things where you kind of have to be a goalie to really fairly judge a goalie. I don't yeah, really look yeah. at all that other kinds of, you know, oh, he's quick or he's got this method or whatever. I just, you know, does he stop the puck, I guess, is the key. And uh, so that that's the big thing there. And, I, you know, I don't know anything, you know, a lot about, the, what is it, Shabrowski or whatever. I, you know, it's... We'll have to see how that pans out when he gets some opportunities here at the U. So I would guess right now that he would be the next guy in line, you know, Wilcox. But who knows? He's not going to be a veteran, obviously. So we'll yeah, and I think it. if oh, sorry, I was to say if there's one area of concern, I mean, in the immediate future, it probably would be in goal because no matter who is in that next year, it's more than likely going to be a pretty big drop off. And you know, the flip side to that is that the decor, in theory, assuming nobody leaves early, should be you know fairly stacked next year. So, you know, what you may lose in net, you might gain in, you know, having a little bit of a, you know, bigger, improved blue line. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's going to be, you know, in the last two years having Patterson as, you know, one of the best goalies in the league, it's definitely going to be an adjustment um, for the team next year, it would appear. Yeah, you don't want to forget A.J. Michelson, too. I mean, he's very fast, you know, skilled. He's actually, I mean, well, he started a little bit slow in the regular season here in USHL, but he had a very good preseason, which kind of surprised me a little bit. Um you know, kind of have high hopes that he's going to be a scorer. Um, I think some people kind of question it yet. Um, maybe have a little bit of hopeful, you know, hopeful in him or whatever. So, you know, he's a faster skater. But I'm just saying that there's a little bit of a question mark how much of a contributor he's going to be. But, uh, you know, he's definitely a talented player, and I'm sure he'll be a couple, you know, top two, three round type of guy. So who else is out there that that hasn't committed yet that uh... – Minnesota's keeping their eye on, and probably North Dakota and Wisconsin as well. Well, you know, the two that people talk about the most are Taylor Camerata and uh, Hudson Fashing. I mean, those are the two big-name local, you know, players that uh, everybody asks about. Um, ironically enough, I hear basically the same three schools for both, although I think Fashing might be looking – a little bit more out east as well. I mean, as, as far as uh, being open about some uh, eastern schools, um, I heard that for Camarada, it's essentially the Gophers, Notre Dame, and North Dakota. Um, I, in general, I felt very positive about the likelihood of him ending up with the Gophers. Um, but I have heard lately that um, he that Notre Dame might be gaining a little bit of steam. Um, in terms of his interest. So I'm not quite to the confidence level that I was in the past, but I still feel relatively comfortable, especially he's one of those guys that's friends with uh, Letary, and hopefully, you know, that kind of peer influence will help, you know, the cause. So we'll see what happens with him. And Fashing, I I think that he'll take a little longer to decide. I I just get that vibe that uh, that's going to take a little while yet. I don't think that there's anything too impending there. Uh, you got want me to keep going? Well, I think we got the main guys. You know, I think okay. we, we've, you know, we've looked at the guys who are out there. We we've seen the guys who have committed. Uh, I think the, that's pretty much well, all we need to talk let about. Me is, couple, okay. Let me throw a couple more names out. Right. Okay, we talked about Jake Gensel on GPL before. Uh, okay, he's got some offers and he's getting a lot of attention. Um, it's going to be one of those situations. You know, kind of similar to Lucia and his son Mario does. Jake want to, you know, is he going to have that opportunity to play for dad? I think that is a decision he'll probably have to think about. I'm sure that uh, that's going to be something to be considered. Uh, Whether he will or not, I don't know. I know that, uh, you know, Duluth has got a lot of interest in him, and I know, pretty sure St. Cloud's offered him, and there's been other schools, I'm sure. Um, So that's something to keep an eye on. Um, One player that has not been mentioned on GPL at all um, that I kind of heard through the grapevine in the last month, there's a kid up in Penticton playing with the Rileys and uh, Mario Lucia and company named Cody. uh, I think his last name is Deporc. I don't know how to say it exactly. It's kind of a weird spelling. I think that's how you say it. But 
Um, I've heard that the Gophers might be watching him a little carefully. Uh, he's a 1995 birth year, so he's a young kid. Right-handed shot, um, kind of smaller, you know, one of those smaller quick kids. Um, he's playing on a line with uh, Stephen Fogarty, who's the Diana grad going to North, uh, Notre Dame. So that's a kid to keep an eye on as well. Um, I know there's some other schools interested in him as well, so we'll see how that goes. I think that the Gophers are probably go. You know, defensively, I think, like we talked about, a little bit patient. Um, I've heard some names. Parker Reno is one. Uh, we've talked about uh, Eddie Wichow on the uh, GPL. So, I mean, there's some names to keep an eye on, but uh, we'll see how it goes. The one thing, too, with uh, Gensel, obviously, is a point of reference with his brother um, out at CC having played for, you know, it's kind of similar with Mario and Tony where, you know, the younger brother can refer to the older brother in terms of what it was like and maybe have some different conversations than they would, you know, with their dad slash coach. So with Gabe having played for Mike, I think what is just one season out in CC, but um, mm-hmm. still to have that point of reference, I'm sure that's going to be uh, helpful for the younger brothers. He uh, makes up his mind here in the coming months or whatever. Yeah, that's definitely a good point. So any other thoughts, guys, to wrap this thing up for this week? Uh, no, hopefully we are talking about another sweep next week. Uh, I think, like I talked about earlier, that if we put the effort in, I mean, the talent advantage should be for us. And, uh, of course, the home ice advantage is there for us, granted in odd times. But nonetheless, uh, it should be a sweep. But uh, we'll have to see how they handle success after a couple weekends of you know winning. Yeah, and I guess, you know, big picture this weekend, and then you look, you know, up at Anchorage, and again, like we spoke about earlier, that's never easy, but um, I'd really like for this team to be undefeated with North Dakota coming to town and a chance to uh, maybe pound those guys after uh, taking some drubbings up in Grand Forks the last few years. So uh, not to look too far ahead, but um, as a rube, I would uh, really, really like to be undefeated and um, have that series be even bigger than what it might already be, and uh, for these guys to lay the hammer to them, that's uh, that's my three-week outlook. So hopefully that comes to fruition. Well, it would be nice to to have a big series, you know, with North Dakota coming in a few weeks. So hopefully, what do they play after Alaska? Yeah, it's uh, Vermont at home and then up at Alaska. So. And then, and then it, North Dakota at Mariucci. Is yep. okay. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Well, I think that does about wrap it up for this week. Uh, you can always follow Hammy and Cardinal on Twitter at Hammy Hockey and at Ryan Cardinal. You can also catch Ryan on KFAN, usually on Thursdays, right, Ryan? Wednesdays, Thursdays? Yeah, it's a little bit hit and miss during the football season with a lot of uh, Viking-related guests, but those are going to start to fade very soon, hopefully, or probably. (laughs) So I believe, uh, unless things change and uh, Ponder's the quarterback, who knows, but uh, Thursday at 9.55 this week is where we're uh, penciled in, so we'll... uh, Keep an eye on uh, my Twitter and uh, GPLs, too, if that's going to change. But a podcast will be available after and everything else. So, yeah. Yeah, we always try to make sure everyone knows that when you're going to be on. So uh, next week, you know, we'll recap Vermont and look ahead to Anchorage, uh, the series that no one ever sees. So uh, that's about it. Until then, thanks for joining us. Thanks for joining us.